Hi, this is Jim Martin, and this is my encouragement note number 59. Welcome. In this issue, what is the conversation you are avoiding? And what is one very important question you are asking yourself right now? And three simple phrases that can make a big difference. The list of five. First, what is the conversation you are avoiding? Well, he had a real scare in the hospital emergency room. And fortunately, doctors managed to stabilize him. Apparently, this was some kind of heart issue. Days later, he was released from the hospital. Sometime afterward, I inquired about his health. I assumed he had been under the care of a doctor, perhaps a cardiologist, to address whatever was wrong. I was not expecting this reply. He said, I never went to the doctor after getting out of the hospital. I'm not interested in hearing what he's got to say. He's going to tell me to eat better, lose weight, and exercise more. Who wants to hear that? And yet the problem with his health was still present. He chose, however, to avoid the conversation with the doctor who would talk with him about life changes he needed to make. Now, some of us may attempt to navigate life by avoiding certain conversations. For example, the struggling student who refuses to ask her professor for help. The married couple who avoid discussing certain topics regarding their marriage. The parents who ignore serious warning signs in their teenage son's behavior. Instead, they choose to say, He's a good kid. It'll all work out. Will you and I really move forward by avoiding critical conversations? What if these conversations could actually result in a positive difference? And could we be limiting our growth by not addressing the very issue that has long given us problems? Consider the following conversation questions. What is the conversation I need to have with God? Have I been far more worried about my image than whether or not my life is pleasing to God? What is the conversation I need to have with my spouse? Do I simply need to put aside my pride? What is the conversation I need to have with my children? Might they be confused by the way I have compartmentalized my life? Can you point to a particular conversation that you've been avoiding? Or can you point to a potential conversation that could be a game changer for you? Next, an important question that could make a significant difference in your life. Remember when someone asked you a question about life, marriage, or children that really made you think? Pondering a great question can cause you to think and perhaps even behave differently. One question I've been asking myself lately is this. What kind of person do I want to be in 24 months? Now, of course, uh, there's nothing magical about 24 months. However, I am conscious of time passing in my life, even the next 24 months. 
Being aware of time passing can bring some perspective to decisions I make this week, even today. Today matters. Your attitude, your decisions, your choices. What kind of man or woman will you be in 24 months? You will probably be the sum total of your attitude, your decisions, and your choices. This question is one I am living with right now. As I fast forward my life to June 2024, what kind of person would I like to be at that point? And if this is to be a reality, what do I need to do intentionally today, tomorrow, and the next day? As I think about the kind of person I want to be, these words by Thomas Aquinas offer some clarity. And this is from the Book of Common Prayer. Give me, O Lord, a steadfast heart, which no unworthy thought can drag down, an unconquered heart, which no tribulation can wear out, an upright heart, which no unworthy purpose can tempt aside. Bestow upon me understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, and faithfulness that finally may embrace you. Finally, consider this wonderful quote from poet Jane Kenyon, and a big thanks to Austin Cleon for this reference. Be a good steward of your gifts. Protect your time. Feed your inner life. Avoid too much noise. Read good books. Have good sentences in your ears. Be by yourself as often as you can. Walk. Take the phone off the hook. Work regular hours. This question can be a difference maker. What kind of person do I want to be in 24 months? The honesty and clarity with which I answer this question could make a huge difference in some of the decisions I make today and tomorrow. Next, three simple phrases that can make a big difference. Lately, I've been reading a little book by Rod Wilson entitled, Thank You, I'm Sorry, Tell Me More subtitled How to Change the World with Three Sacred Sayings. And Wilson is a former psychologist and former president of Regent College in Vancouver, British Columbia. I mention this book because it's helped me become more conscious of the power of these important phrases in my own life. The wisdom in this book is refreshing, though its importance could easily be overlooked. This is not a simplistic book but rather a way of functioning that can bring a gracious spirit to relationships. The application fits marriages and families, work settings, and church life. From a paragraph on the back cover, someone wrote, In this collection of short, story-driven readings, learn how ingratitude, stubbornness, and disconnection destroy relationships and take note of habits and attitudes that give life and show love. Saying thank you reveals that we recognize the way others impact us. The phrase, I'm sorry, acknowledges the way we impact others. And when we say, tell me more, we affirm the way we impact each other. Wilson acknowledges that much of the culture is focused on entitlement, victimization, and individualism. 
As a result, some may rarely, if ever, say thank you. After all, if you think you're entitled to something, why would you say thank you? Some may rarely, if ever, say I'm sorry. After all, if you typically respond with it's not my fault, why would you say I'm sorry? And some may rarely, if ever, say tell me more. After all, if you believe your story is more significant than anyone else's, why would you say tell me more? However, this book invites us to another way of living. We say thank you, communicating our genuine gratitude to someone. We say I'm sorry, communicating our sincere remorse for what we said or did. We say tell me more, communicating that we really care about another's life and story. As I read the book, I thought about my own life and relationships. At times, I am way too slow with these responses. What about you? As a mom, dad, husband, wife, these responses coupled with the attitudes they reflect may do wonders to refresh the atmosphere of any home. And a note to church leaders and ministers, perhaps one of the best things I can do in a congregation is to model the use of these three phrases in my interaction with others. Finally, what you can expect, and this is especially for ministers and church leaders. When I began preaching, I didn't know what to expect. At the same time, I did have some expectations. In the first year or two, I was often puzzled and bewildered. At first, I thought everyone wanted to live right. I, I thought everyone cared about the congregation and its ministry. I know that is pretty naive. A closer reading of the Old Testament, the ministry of Jesus, or the ministry of Paul could have given me a better set of expectations. Nevertheless, these were mine. I've been thinking lately about some of the realistic expectations you and I can have about our ministries with these congregations. Number one, you and I can expect God to be with you in your ministry, no matter what. He is a faithful presence. Second, you can expect to encounter sin. It will be present in the community, in the congregation, and yes, in the ministers. 2 Timothy 2.22. Next, you can expect to wrestle with discouragement at times. Some discouragement may come to the, due to the sin of others, and at times your discouragement may be due to weariness. No wonder Paul encourages, all, encourages us all to, quote, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. Fourth, you can expect a broken heart. You might participate in a number of funerals. My first funeral was for a 26-year-old woman who died of cancer. Later, I was in the emergency room with a young couple immediately after they learned of the death of their baby in a car accident. You will have a front row seat to unbelievable tragedy. Fifth, you can expect to face opposition at times. 2 Timothy 2, 
25 through 26. Chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. Ministry can bring about deep wounds from such opposition. You may be challenged to live as a wounded healer without becoming bitter and cynical. You can expect to experience joy. Number six, the birth of babies, baptisms, repentance, and life change. And finally, number seven, you can expect to hear the tender stories of people in your congregation. They will often tell you what they will rarely, if ever, tell anyone else. These stories are sacred conversation. Finally, I love these words by Jessica Hooten Wilson. This is from a tweet uh, she wrote in May. This is, a, this is so fitting for all of us who would follow Jesus as his disciples. She wrote, don't be afraid to be who God has called you to be. It may be someone hated. It may be someone anonymous. You may lose in the eyes of the world, but you will be rewarded when our Lord calls your name. Well done, my beloved one. I would encourage you to read, uh, look at the uh, reading and listening resources in the uh, written edition of this encouragement note. I hope you have a great week and hope you have a week in which you do good and you stay encouraged.